0: Are you tired of being happy and in control of your life? Wouldn't you rather dwell on past childhood traumas or that time you embarrassed yourself in front of a bunch of people? Well, good news, because now you can go to the sunken place. You don't even have to leave your house. Just think about what a moron you are and experience the disassociation of the sunken place. To horror movie Conk. this is your host Blam Blonson. I'm Furmost blah, blah, blah. and across from me sits Danny Dan's the Performed Kit Tit. Okay, <laughs> got a great show for you today. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna be covering a uh, modern classic that w- I'm. I told Aaron that we're doing this movie today and she's like you haven't done that one yet seems like a no-brainer we're gonna be talking about get out jordan peele's freshman debut film go on get um and sometimes uh, reading like some of the trivia and stuff on his i i forgot how recent this was like this is not very long This 2017 I had a lot of, during that first year, we started in
1: 2018, in the middle of 2018, and during that first year or so, uh-huh. I had so many pangs of like, we need to do Get Out, we right. need to do, do right. Get Out, we need to do Get Out, and then it just kind of like gradually dropped off. So, pleasantly surprised that you chose to do this one today. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, if you're new to Horror Movie Talk, um, how we do it is we give a brief synopsis and review of the movie, and then we um, get... In deeper spoiler territory, after we make the announcement that we're going to do that, give a score on a scale of 1 to 10, um, 1 being bad, 10 being good. And then after we get through all that stuff, we will be playing a game called Taglines perennial favorite. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Get Out. Um, yeah, again, this is one that, like, feels kind of egregious that we haven't covered yet because every time we do kind of a modern, um, elevated horror movie, it does really well. Um, and this is definitely in the pantheon of the movies within the last five years that are, like, super, 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 uh, meaningful to the genre (laughs) and where it's going for the next little while. Yeah, this yeah Um, so yeah we went we watched Get Out and it still holds up here is the trailer
1: you got your toothbrush Do you have your deodorant Do you have your cozy clothes got that
0: what
1: do they know I'm black should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I
0: ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meeting families, taking road trips. Don't so come back all bougie, man. Come back, got your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <Here they go. laughs>
1: you smoke in front of my daughter? I'm gonna quit. She'd take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. I'm good, actually. Are you ready for
0: this? I'm back in the B. So, look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool.
1: Bro, how are you not scared of this, man? Couldn't see no brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. <laughs> Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! Rose, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Rose, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Rose! Sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. It's a
0: terrible thing to waste. Terrible thing to waste.
1: There's too many white people. I get nervous. <laughs> no, 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 no. A
0: mom is a terrible thing to waste. Feel yeah.
1: like I feel like the trailer on this is almost even better than the movie like in and that's in this case this is a that's a big compliment from me like right. trailers are usually I'm so irritated with how they are presented but I remember this trailer and I think Jordan Peele has a good deal to do with the trailers for his movies because all the trailers for every movie he's made all 3
0: mm-hmm.
1: Just have me, just each time have got me just so amped up Mm -hmm. to see that movie. Just like, oh, this is going to be fucking amazing. Um,
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, that trailer, I remember distinctly seeing that in the movie theater the first time. And I was, I felt like I was part of an inside joke, you know. Right. Because I was like. Do these people appreciate the genius right. of the concept of this film? Where it's. The horror is just white people. Right. That's the scariest thing from this guy's perspective. Uh huh. Just white people. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, that's. And. The film completely delivers on that premise so perfectly. Yeah. It's still very, very impressive. Um, Okay, so Chris Washington, played by Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya, is taking a vacation with his girlfriend to (laughs) meet her family. Uh, Played by Allison Williams, his girlfriend Rose convinces Chris that her family will be perfectly fine with her dating a black man, uh, despite the fact that she never told them about his race. The weekend begins pleasant, albeit slightly awkward. However, as time goes on, Chris notices weird behavior from especially the black employees of the family, uh, but also later from uh, party guests. Chris becomes suspicious that something is wrong, but before he can get out, he is caught in this family's trap and has to escape a face work, fate, (laughs) face. He has to escape a fate worse than death. Oh, no! Um... Everyone gets more white people than they (laughs) bargain. Get Out is Jordan Peele's first film as a writer-director, producer also, Um, and he delivered way beyond expectations given his sketch comedy background. Uh, I don't think enough can be made about this, that uh, he turns out to be an expert at building tension while utilizing and commenting on latent racial tension in the U.S. Apparently this is, is... probably still the most successful black writer, director, producer, like in terms of how much money he personally made off of this project that was all him, like, it's one of the biggest success stories for a freshman director ever. Um, Who's that
1: billionaire director, black, black director who does the uh
0: Medea? Oh Medea movies? He's like a fucking billionaire. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's he's definitely made his own world. Uh God, Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna look th- I'm just gonna confirm that. <laughs> um, which is
1: impressive that you can become a billionaire off of Medea. <laughs> well,
0: tap into a market and uh, whoa, what does that mean? Whoa, hey, whoa. Um so p- 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 I said that um it's really impressive how this film gives a really nuanced social commentary on what is what it's like to experience racism um not in an overt in an overt way but in a very tangential but very visceral way in a white liberal way (laughs) right so uh peel didn't choose the easy target of white right-wing southern whites as the danger to chris he specifically used an affluent quote unquote new york liberal type family um it expresses the false sense of security of a masked racism right below the surface that others and marginalizes black people yeah the quality of this commentary is really magnified by all of the racial allegory horror movies that have come out since. Uh, just watch Antebellum or the Candyman remake to see how blunt these allegories can be.
1: Yeah, it can it can be handled really poorly. Yeah, uh, shockingly, the super super contentious <laughs> yeah. topics uh, that 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 people want to make bold statements on can it's a razor
0: edge mm-hmm. to walk and. Yeah, where a lot of the and they're definitely riding off of the wake of this movie. Like, oh it's, yeah, oh yeah, the fact that like, oh, this type of movie, this type of commentary can make a lot of money because makes sense. I mean the the zeitgeist of the time is very much on commenting on like the marginalization of of people and especially like the long term. Um, Marginalization of, of black people in, in America, especially by those in power, um, but then you see all these movies. They're like, yeah, yeah, people buy this shit, and they go, well the the moral of this movie is racism is bad, okay? Right? And like, okay, yeah, it's like,
1: uh, yeah, well, fucking duh, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> like you know stuff used to happen. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, antebellum was a real. Yeah, real ham-handed,
0: and it's all like. But it had God, the most gorgeous woman on the planet. Right. What was her name? Uh, Lady Antebellum.
1: Gorgeous, beautiful
0: angel. <laughs> okay. Yeah. By yeah. the
1: way, Tyler Perry is worth a billion dollars. <laughs> a yeah. billion dollars off of Medea.
0: God, I can't remember what her name is now. Yeah, it's gonna Janelle Monet. Janelle Monet. Thank you. Oh, for... Um. Yeah. Go back to our Antebellum. Episode where we just just drool, just drool over yeah, Janelle just Monet us, for the entire episode, just us ruining Mike after Mike. Um, but yeah, I mean this, this is this really highlights that um, the pit of, of falling into the super cliche like this is racism, yeah. and it's all just ignorant, stupid white people are like, not in my neighborhood. You go. Keep on walking, black man. Okay. And uh, it's all just like this caricature of... Do that impression a little too well. This caricature of, uh, you know, 1950s southern ignorant racist, and that's like what every, you know, villain is in these movies. Whereas this one, it's like, oh, no, these people are quote-unquote woke. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, no. I can't be racist. I voted for Obama. And you see the character that is just very, very leery and suspicious and paranoid about, like, mm, yeah, they seem cool, but I know better. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to let my guard down, and rightfully so, because all of a sudden weird shit starts happening, and he's like, hmm Why? Yeah. (laughs) Why is this weird shit happening? Um, so, anyways, um, this is another easy 10 out of 10 for me. It's such, it's such a good movie. It holds up so well and gives, it's, it gives this perspective so well that it's hard to find fault with it. Um, and on its own, just as a story and as like, um, you know the the characters experiencing a thing and the payoff in the end it's it's just all very very satisfying and, and intriguing and and I love it a lot this
1: i kind of had this feeling about this movie i kind of knew that this was going to happen upon my second viewing which is all it's one of these movies that works best on first viewing and man does it work Mm -hmm. On that first viewing, it is a home run because it's novel in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. but you can't put that, that novelty back in the box. You know, it's sprung Uh once it's out. Now it's so much a part of the zeitgeist of the culture, but also of your mind. Mm -hmm. It, it just has, it's like a virus that just. You get antibodies, too. Uh-huh. You know? I've built up antibodies to this at this point because I've thought about this movie a decent amount since the first time I watched it. It was very impressive uh, that first time I watched it. I was delighted in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. But the second viewing is much less impactful because it's already it already had such a profound effect on me that first time that... The second time, I just kind of like, mm hmm, oh yeah, mm hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, that was good. You know, like, yeah, it's a much more subdued, much less impressed, um, because I, I think I've just run it through in my mind so many times. And not only run it through in my mind, like it's, it's, like you said, it's been parodied and attempted multiple times since then mm-hmm. to varying degrees of, dis- of, of success. Them, antebellum, um, I don't know, a bunch of movies. Yeah. Us. I mean us. He, he and not only that, like us was kind of like a shittier attempt at this same similar sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Um It was it was a commentary on kind of a more broad thing. Yeah. But yeah. But it, it was, still. Yeah, but still. But yeah, if you're if you're looking at the success of pulling off what it's trying to say, this is a much more successful film.
1: Right. But that being said, um, it's very impressive movie mm-hmm. that I think made a new kind of maybe not made it but perfected a new kind of very 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 tongue in cheek, uh, almost black comedy genre, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, a staple of of horror, something to be aspired to mm-hmm. that clearly a lot of people have aspire to. A lot of people took on the challenge of trying mm-hmm. to capitalize on this. Yeah. And um and none of them can. This is a masterclass in mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh I think how it hit me on the second viewing was like I said less impressive. Um if you'd caught me on the first viewing I'd have been a 10. And actually thinking about how important it is in a lot of different ways, makes me go, you should probably give it a 10, David. But, it just doesn't, doesn't feel like a 10 to me right now.
0: Hmm.
1: It's more like a 9. But, interesting, because with all that being said, it's, it's pretty undeniable in a lot of different ways. I do, on this second viewing, wish it had gone a little harder in some aspects, but I can't, Quite put my finger on. See, them. Yeah, I
0: feel I feel this movie is best experienced in two viewings. Like I I, I almost say the opposite because the first viewing is like, yeah, you experience it and you're going through it with the character and it's and it kind of earns the fucked up ending, the yeah. twist ending, to where you're like, yeah, I'm on board because all of the dread and tension has built up to a point where you're like, oh, finally now we know what's going on. Um the second viewing is so interesting seeing all of the weird little things and yeah. interactions that like just felt off and you're like what what? Yeah, and now Why? you know. And and in the first viewing you can interpret it as like oh, these are awkward white people that like don't know how to act around black people or don't realize what they're saying is super racist. Right. Um in the second viewing you're like oh they're talking about what's going to happen in the ending and they all have ulterior ulterior motives to talking to him. Right. Um,
1: and also, yeah, yes. And, uh, the, uh, you get to internalize it a lot more on the second go through. You get to like the, the sunken place has so much more meaning. (sighs) Right. um, That second viewing, the second viewing, I was able to contextualize the sunken place in a way that was that was meaningful to me. Uh Which is like, oh, this is you being put in your place, right? Yeah, yeah. This is this is you being told to sit down. Mm -hmm. You're among adults, right? You know, right. Which is which is a a universal experience, Uh no matter who you are, right? You know, no matter who you are, you've been made to feel inferior, small mm-hmm. and and hey, yeah. shut the fuck up, kid. Right. Go go sit down right. and uh and watch watch the adults for a minute. Yeah. And that was the most impressive part about the second viewing was my realizations about a lot of the interactions, who these characters stand for kind of uh caricature wise or like stereotypically wise. Because on first viewing, I took it as a blank in statement against generally white people. Uh-huh. But I think it's a, a little bit more targeted um, in its portrayals, mm-hmm. um, maybe not in its message, but mm-hmm. definitely it's it's taking a hard swipe at, quote unquote, woke white people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone has internalized that to a meaningful degree, otherwise you'd start to see a significant change in the actions of woke white people, of quote-unquote woke yeah. white people. Uh, so I don't know, maybe now actually having said that a lot of that, it does feel like it's leaning a lot more towards a very important place, so maybe more of a 10, but...
0: Yeah, and also the the probably the most interesting character to watch um, on the second viewing is Allison Williams' character, the girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Because that, all of a sudden, like... All of her actions, you're like, become so much more nefarious, um, because yeah, she's the ultimate manipulator. Because they really sell it, and and like Jordan Peele talks about it. Like he told her to, you're actually playing two characters. You know, like, anyways, we'll get into it in the yeah. spoilers. So, um, uh, yeah, before we get any further, I gotta. Give a plug to our sponsors. If you're listening to commercials right about now, you should know you don't have to. If you go to our Patreon and join in a certain tier, you'll get early access to episodes right after we finish editing them, as well as removing the ads. So check us out at patreon.com slash horrormovietalk. Um, also, we've got a shop at horrormovietalk.com shop shop. You can buy, buy merch. Uh, we'll be expanding that with new shirts and hoodies and whatnot. So check that out and, you know, buy our swag. Uh, because there's going to be some awesome designs there from our resident artist, Dustin Goebel. Uh, d Gobs. You, you can <laughs> find him on Instagram at D-Goebel00. That's at dgoebel b e l zero zero, And And uh, reach out to him. He takes commissions and uh very reasonable price. So if you've got a dream image of yourself blowing um Robert England, you could make that happen. Not that reasonable of a price. He's he's
1: uh he's come to his senses a little bit and is now charging a fair amount. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that hoping that he has come to his
0: senses and okay. is now charging a fair amount. If you want to call and leave us a message, call our voicemail at 682-253-4468. Let's get into Spoy Blurbs. Bing! Boy Blurs! Speaking of Bing, I think you had a point to make. About Microsoft.
1: Oh, thank you. Products. I wouldn't have remembered this had you not done that. The first time I watched this movie, I was like, "Holy shit, this is one step away from Wayne's World, (laughs) (laughs) where they're like You know, uh, shameless product promotion really Mm -hmm. has no place in movies." As he's eating Doritos and then wearing like a wearing a Pepsi Pepsi starter jacket. Yeah, and, and this movie. So and and a couple of Bloomhouse movies around this time frame had th- did this. Hmm. They were like, "We're gonna look. We need a little bit more budget for this than mm-hmm. our normal Bloomhouse movies. Mm-hmm. We're going to supplement with Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Here you go, My, Microsoft phones. The, remember the Surface tablets? Those too. We got those, but don't forget to plug it in. It does run out of battery quickly because because it is a very heavy duty." software application Uh uh oh also here's something to draw you directly out of the movie a character googling with bing (laughs) (laughs) do
0: you ever google with bing (laughs) that should be bing's fucking commercial (laughs) google with bing google with us (gasps) bing.com google on bing um yeah you know i gotta say i don't use it that much but bing yeah. You don't say. Yeah. You don't say. I gotta say, like, there are some uses for Bing where they've got Google beat. I'm not gonna lie. Looking up Google to download it, um, download Chrome. That number one. Um, number two, like, it's got it's pretty decent as a porn search. What? Yeah. If you search their videos, how did you learn that? There, I heard it from Reddit, and I tested it out. I'm like, well, goddamn. Really? Yeah. If you go to Bing's video search and like <laughs> search some fucked up, disgusting, vile pornography search words. Yeah. It's going to deliver some like videos to just the search engine where you can watch them just right there. You Ew, to... no, David. Yeah. Really? So when they're searching for images, like it's not, it's not bad. Ew, David. That's one of the things when you like, you, uh, are the incumbent like you don't have to improve your your product that much so, like Google like kind of rests on its laurels a lot of the time and as, oh. ta- as time goes on it's like Google guys, can you
1: not be worse guys we are no longer the prominent porn search engine
0: <laughs> oh my god ew well man. when you've got when you've got new search engines that are trying to overcome the beast of Google and they're like maybe we can do this one thing much better than Google what do people before they notice? What does every
1: dude search for on the internet? Yeah.
0: Hmm. Oh, oh, I know what that
1: is, right. Would do that, but yeah, Google does really kind of well. Now we're getting into weird fucking SEO talk where we're like, you know, what's interesting talking about search results,
0: <laughs> but no, it's a good point. I mean, we have expertise,
1: we do. I'm
0: curious, we could do a live comparison right now because I'll tell you what Google image search. Sucks balls. It's it's pretty bad. Okay. Um, in terms of like delivering, just unrelevant relevant searches, so unrelevant, irrelevant, irrelevant, irrelevant. Hmm. Most of the time, it has like it'll you'll find what you're looking for. You know, ninety nine percent of the time. But you you definitely have to fil- filter through a lot of crap. So, uh, sometimes. Oh golly, are you okay, man? I'm okay. I'm yeah. not gonna die. <laughs> Bing, I feel like, just delivers the thing that you're asking for, and a lot of it.
1: Oh. I'm so curious to know what you're searching for on Bing and just getting gobs of.
0: I don't know. We just watched uh, Crimes of the Future. I was probably searching Leah Sado's boobs. She got a nice set. Nice set on her. I'm pretty proud of us that we did not talk about that on the podcast or the afterpod for D- crimes of didn't the future. Even, didn't even come up. Ruin the string here. Although I think they're I think they are fakers. They're fakers? Yeah. What do you mean? Those titties. They're implants? Yeah. They're not even big enough to be worth it. Well, you should have seen them before. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I've I've done some research, David.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Anyways, well, we could we could have an open bet. Yeah, and y'all listen. Let us know. <laughs> okay, so um, let's get into Get Out. Let's. So it starts out uh, with the opening scene uh, with Lakeith Stanfield. It's a great scene of his kidnapping and really sets the tone for the movie of like, uh. <laughs> It's a black guy walking down the suburban street and he's like, nope, not today, <laughs> you know, which is. Lakeith
1: Stanfield is the guy you get to do monologue stuff. Yeah. He's so good at just acting off himself like a normal person, mm-hmm. man.
0: He's like low key, the the black Jeff Goldblum. Just so interesting to watch. Yes. Yeah. Like, I can see where you're coming and up has- where from with that. Kind of like um an eclectic aesthetic to how he presents himself that he can come off in a very genuine way.
1: Yeah, he's 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 extremely genuine in his delivery. It feels it yeah, it doesn't feel like you're watching somebody
0: act. It feels like you're just watching somebody live.
1: Right. With him.
0: Um so he was kidnapped by a guy in a knight's helmet. <laughs> did you notice that a knight's helmet yeah what is a knight's helmet like a like a knight in shining armor yeah
1: i couldn't make that out yeah i was watching on my phone oh wow
0: yeah um so he's kidnapped um and then it cuts to chris and rose talking about this trip that's upcoming and he asks her you know do they know i'm black and her reaction is should they which is very much like a you know I'm cool. Yeah. We don't need to, we don't need to make this a thing. It's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this isn't a thing. Yeah.
1: What are you talking about? Oh, we're, it's the, it's 2017. Yeah. I'm an empowered white woman who dates whoever she wants. And that right. makes perfect sense to everyone all the time. I mean, as a, it's like,
0: bitch, no, it doesn't. As a white viewer, you're like, we've moved beyond the times of guess who's coming. to Right. You want to pat yourself on the back a yeah. lot. It's like, ah, oh, people are okay with it. But, uh, I'm sure black people are like, mm, yeah, this is going to be awkward mm-hmm. for them and yeah.
1: for me. And and vice versa. It would be, uh, you know, I mean, I, if I were dating a, a black girl, it, for me, it would be awkward f- to go to her family, I imagine. You know, it would be awkward for them. They'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Or maybe not. Maybe they're yeah. super cool. I don't know. Goddamn. What? <sighs> What are all these other spices that aren't salt and pepper? Your food tastes good. What is this? <laughs> hey, is this poison? Why You're trying you... to poison
0: me with taste. Oh, why are you vibrant and full of life? Okay, where my where my okay. life is?
1: Get your. Let's just bring it down a notch. You know, it's all just it's all just that cool <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> um, do you have that? Do you have that like? thing in the back of your head being like oh we're talking about this could be dangerous of course i do yeah
0: isn't that weird live in the modern times yeah it's like oh i will
1: not want be i don't want to say the wrong thing mm-hmm. i don't know what that is exactly but you can easily do it
0: yeah well there are wrong things to say
1: yeah we rule number one on this episode no use of the n-word that would be the wrong thing to say in any situation. Hmm. We haven't done it yet. Let's not start on this episode. Okay. Okay.
0: We'll just keep it for the afterpod.
1: Whoa. Hey, no, I don't <laughs> want to do it over there either.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd love to, for people to just think we're just like the most racist people off the air. You would love that? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <sighs> I know them. I know. I think some people do. Like I know who they are as people. Oh, okay. They're masking it. Oh, I mean, some of our reviews make it sound like that.
1: Oh yeah. There's always people who want to read like nefarious intent into shit. And they're usually this. And as this movie states, they're usually the fucking racist ones. <laughs> <laughs> you believe others to be racist because you're super fucking racist.
0: Right. <laughs> um, I just want to call out you. You mentioned them. Um, The series on Amazon prime. Yeah. Um, We had much different. I don't think you finished it. Um,
1: Yeah, no, I try. I tried it. I got a couple episodes in, and it felt uh,
0: cudgel like to me. Yeah, see, I view it as another example of a really, really well-made piece of art in this genre. It's a little, yeah, it's a little more blatant, and there's a little bit more of like the Billy Joe racist um, in it. I think they made a intelligent decision setting it in
1: the 50s. Right. Right, because that allows them carte blanche to presume whatever they want and make it as cuddly as they want. Right. Which I don't think is
0: necessarily fair. It is more fair and it's a smart decision on their part. But it goes to some interesting places and really does it well. Some of the images and visuals and like the... in the end are so disturbing to me Mm. like the uh, there's like a a minstrel show like evil monster type character that's like Jesus that and it makes such a a good point towards like yeah the pushing people to the breaking point with just injustice you know Mm. Anyways, I would uh, if you're personally if I would recommend them as an another uh stepping stone into this topic cuz okay. I think it's really high quality.
1: Yeah, I, you know what? I may I may go back and give that another another shot. Yeah. Um yeah,
0: see how it strikes me a second time. Um okay. So a couple of things happen to with Rose where on the second viewing, you understand what's actually going on. Yeah. Where she's, like, getting him to quit smoking, and she's, like, very insistent on it, and she's, like, she makes him throw out the cigarette to keep his body clean. Right. Is is that what she says? No, but that's... But that's the
1: implication. Yeah. This is one of the great parts about this movie. Is it... All the actions taken in this movie are taken for a nefarious purpose. Right. But they're also passably normal right. interactions that that anybody would call you extremely paranoid for suspecting. Right, but being- also,
0: yeah, also, especially in the, the frame of being woke, um, so especially her reaction to the cop when they're pulled over and the cop asks for his ID even though he's not driving. And he's like, he's fine with it because he just wants to... Mega thing she's like N- no what he doesn't need to give that to you and she's very he wasn't driving i was driving he, Why she's very defensive for him because the first viewing you interpret it as like no she's protecting him because she's oh, witnessing wow. she's witnessing racism and calling it out as and, an ally and she is but really but really she's Definitely, just stopping a paper trail from being there. Right. She's preventing the cop from knowing the whereabouts of what is soon to be a missing person. Right. And, um... What, what's the other one? Um... Yeah, a lot of her actions... Whenever you see her, like, talk him down from his reactions to weird stuff happening, and she's like... Like, after he meets the family she's like, Oh, it's so embarrassing. Why are they acting so weird? Cause like her brother was going to like try to choke him out, you know? Yeah. And her dad was like, Oh, I would have voted for Obama a third time. Ha, ha 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 ha. And her mom was like something. And her reaction is like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And he's like, I told you so it was going to be weird. And she's, on the first viewing, you think she's actually mortified. On the second viewing, like every interaction with him during that weekend is to talk him down, right, off the ledge, and soothe him, right, into saying to making him feel like he has an ally here, right, that truly understands him.
1: Yeah, let me just say, her brother Jeremy, uh, played by Caleb Landry Jones, uh-huh. the most unlikable asshole <laughs> in a decade worth of movies, right. Which just says, "Great job, great job, Caleb. You are a bang up actor at being a super douche."
0: <laughs> right. I fully believed
1: you were a douche.
0: Yeah, he was. He was great, and just really like really off-putting. So just like upsetting, because
1: you've met that fucking guy. You just hate him. Yeah. Um. You and I definitely do. Catherine Keener. What's the first role that comes to mind
0: for you, for Catherine Keener, the mom in this? Um, I don't know what the first one. I I know what one you're you're asking me for, which is probably being John Malkovich. No,
1: the, I the, those are that's one of the two, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of the two that I was expecting. But the where she lands for me is forty year old virgin. Oh yeah, I go. Oh, it's the lady from 40-year-old virgin. And like she's strangely sexually attractive to
0: me because of that. Like I'm like, yeah, that's true. She knows what she's doing. Oh yeah, she is the love interest in that. I forgot that's who he eventually yeah, goes after. Um, yeah, that's great. But it notable like this is not the first film that Katherine Keener starred in whose plot was about Entering someone else's mind. Oh,
1: okay. I see where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Being yeah. Being John, John
0: Malkovich was basically... Her getting off on being John Malkovich. Right.
1: Yeah. That's a good point.
0: Um, I mean, it's wild. almost a sequel to it. It's a different different world, but yeah, it's
1: pretty, pretty, pretty different. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw it of being John Malkovich, I was just like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is this?
0: Yeah. Speaking of trailers, that's probably... One of the yeah. absolute best trailer experiences I've ever had. Like, the most delighted I have ever been of, like, this is how much fun we can have in the theater watching a trailer and and coming up with a bizarre concept for a film. Yeah, it's it's a spectacular fun movie. Just the the lead up to being able to say, and John Malkovich, as John Malkovich in... Being, Being John Malkovich. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there's
0: a lot of tongue-in-cheek stuff.
1: It's a surprisingly emotional movie. Yeah. Like, t- pulls no punches. Yeah. It's really impressive. Um, um yeah, All the actors and actresses in, in Get Out are dead on. And Bradley Whitford, the dad, is mm-hmm. another one of these guys who's just under the radar. Fucking brilliant. Old,
0: old school. Gets it. Like, well, it's really interesting because Peel cast him specifically like he talks about casting the family as you know a liberal New York rich type, liberals, yeah. um white family and uh, he just looked at Bradley Whitford's character on <laughs> on um, what's that show called the West Wing it was like, that's it that that guy, exactly that guy. And I think, to a certain extent, Bradley Whit- apparently, d- according to the trivia, Bradley Whitford wasn't quite in on the joke. <laughs> oh, because really, in the trivia it says, and I'm not sure if I believe this, but it says in the trivia that um, the line "I would have voted for Obama a third time." He didn't think was a joke. I I don't understand. I don't I don't understand even what you're saying. So, the. <laughs> The line that the father says is yeah. like, to put him at ease, he says, oh yeah, oh, I love Obama. I would have voted for Obama, for the record, I would have voted for Obama a third time. Mm-hmm. Best president in, in my lifetime. And to the viewer, it's like, that says something very specific about that character, and is funny in context, where it's like, okay, this is... In the experience of this black guy, it's like, okay. A big it, eye roll moment. You're making... You're trying Here's to... Here's your olive branch. Yeah. You're trying to soothe me by pointing out something that's basically marginalizing me to this one specific thing about me. Yeah. The fact that my skin is black. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's kind of... it's It's meant as a joke you know for that that's how the guy you know puts him at ease or whatever and i I think bradley whitford just like oh yeah this is just a genuine line this is what everyone would say oh
1: whoa he was so earnestly the character that he plays that he couldn't even see the he couldn't even see the irony yeah it's probably yeah yeah, that
0: makes sense wouldn't have voted for
1: oh that's oh that's stomach turning Oh so ugh.
0: <laughs> um, that just doof that's the fucking And and it, it also like it talks about in the trivia how how Jordan Peele in interviews talked about how when he wrote this you know he he didn't really expect it to get made, but the time that he was writing it was right in the beginning of Obama's first term and there was a lot of talk about like finally We're post-racism, and like we finally solved it. Have a black president. We never have to talk about this again. And he's like, "Mm, people were really hopeful about this topic, and it just didn't seem like the right time to release kind of a really pessimistic view about this. Mm -hmm. Luckily, uh (laughs) oh yeah, luckily, super luckily <coughs> things didn't turn out that way at all people realize like oh we're still racist uh <laughs> Whew, this movie gets to get made oh boy um so yeah I think I think that's pretty interesting um you know what this movie could have been called save it for the tagline <laughs> oh should I no you can say it let me think here you're just gonna waste it
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay, so this so this movie could have been called. I'm trying to think of the best way to deliver this. Could have been called. I have a black friend. You know, right? That's that's everybody's everybody's action throughout this movie. Every white person's action is like, "Hey, you play golf? Tiger Woods. (laughs) (laughs) I I know him. I have a black friend. Mm -hmm. His name's Tiger Woods." That thing Mm -hmm. that you can't possibly be, uh, I can't, no, I can't be racist. Mm -hmm. Here's my super racist Mm -hmm. way to say that I'm not racist. So, in that light, Bryce, I'd just like to put our black listeners at ease and say, I don't have any black friends. I don't know any.
0: Well, that explains a lot. They're not here. Yeah. There's just none. I have one black friend, so, you know, I'm, I'm good. Oh, who, who is that? Destiny. It's a friend from childhood. I, I've ne- I, really? I haven't talked to him in a long time. So, you
1: think you can just but make I, up a friend, uh, I put him name him Destiny, uh-huh. and say he's black? Doesn't that sound a little racist to you?
0: I didn't make him up. I've never met this person. Yeah. Well, you haven't met a lot of people I know. I just think it's a little presumptuous that you name him Destiny. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. Um... <laughs> All right, so he's introduced, like, and he also meets, like, the black workers for, the, the family's name is oh uh, Armitage. Yeah, Armitage, Armitage is the
1: family's name, and the workers are Walter and Georgina.
0: Yeah, and even uh, Bradley Whitford's character comments, like, I know, black workers for a white family, super cliche. Doesn't look great for us, does it? Mm-hmm and he meets um Georgina and Walter and and something's off like yeah it's you know i think a lot of black people talk about seeing other black people in circumstances like oh one of us good and they take like comfort in knowing that there's someone there with their shared experience of you know, being marginalized and understanding and having, like, a kind of a separate culture from the mainstream a little bit. uh uh-huh. um, And so when he goes to these other uh, black people and he finds out, like, these... These guys are super white. Yeah. Like... Like a caricature of white people. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's true of, like, any black person in in this house that comes to this house got real worried there for a minute (laughs) where you're going especially Lakeith Stanfield when Lakeith Stanfield shows up again um it's probably one of the greatest moments of like um (laughs) of comedy which is uh Chris is like hey man good to see you and holds out his fist to fist bump (laughs) and then Lakeith Stanfield just immediately like wraps his hand around the fist in a handshake right just unironically yeah, just completely
1: missing the social cue entirely That's that uh, he should be getting. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, it's a weird stereotype in and of itself. And you find out that these these uh, black workers for, for the Armitage yeah. family um, started out helping take care of the grandparents, and the grandparents have since died, and they stayed on. And later you find out that the grandparents stayed on. They are
1: they just happen to be caricatures of white people because they are literally white people right uh r- taking a ride within the bodies of their right. black uh employees slash really actually servants uh uh-huh. uh which is <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it and it's a weird and interesting like uh uh Observation in and of itself, right? Which is like, it's kind of being like, is it is it some sort of, is it some sort of reference to like being an Uncle Tom? Is it like,
0: I mean, yeah, we're betraying
1: our culture by being an apologist for this, like, this, I don't know.
0: Well yeah, I mean that's the that's the other side of the coin where you say like oh, the shared experience and like oh, finally I have someone that's like me. Uh is also kind of um marginalizing because really what it is like everyone's an individual and everyone should just realize that you can't have expectations about what a person is based on their appearance, on the color of their skin cuz that's kind of racist. Um so the reality is like you could have there are black people in reality that are just as white as these caricatures of sure. these possessed black bodies in the movie. Um and the whole idea that like, oh, they're not really black. It's like, oh, okay. What does that mean? Yeah. What you do you, know? Yeah. Like what are what are we serving now? Like, what's the point of this conversation? Yeah, it's you just know. to other people. And uh it's not my place to converse about it. Whoa! Um, um, what? <laughs> How did you get there? Because I'm what? What? I don't. I don't know about their experience, and I can't uh, attest to uh, make any judgments about it. Um, but 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 uh, a lot of uh, the, early on, there's a lot of uh, artistic shots and a lot of made of um, they crash into a deer on the way there and i finally kind of figured out like what the impact of that is is later we learned that his mother when he was a child got hit by a car and was alone and died by bleeding out in the street and he did nothing to saver even though he suspected something might be wrong he was just sitting at home and he could have called 911 and reported her as missing or whatever so he holds a lot of guilt about that so when he hits this deer it's kind of a stand-in for the trauma that he felt about his mother yeah which we later find out about and that's exploited by katherine keener's character as the you know the anchor for hypnotizing him and sending him to the sunken place. Yeah. It's just taking a precious
1: and uh, um and powerful experience to him and using it to mm-hmm. play to to make him extremely vulnerable yeah. at
0: any given moment. That is probably the most impactful and important scene of the movie is Catherine Keener hypnotizing him under the guise of helping him quit smoking and in terms of like having a thesis for the movie or having like a um having like a metaphor for the message of the movie is this experience of going to the sunken place yeah to where um their experience of being completely sidelined and and uh, minimalized and um what's the m word that I'm looking for marginalized um by people and just that's don't give a second thought to your um to your agency <laughs> or who you are as a person that's the least important thing um to them the adults are talking yeah, so, and that works so well, like, it's so impressive how they communicated that visually and how impactful that scene is, seeing him, like, uh, act during the hypnotism and, like, crying those silent tears and then getting just shoved down into the sunken place and his his reaction of, like, no, 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 wait, 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 and then he's gone. Yeah. And apparently, Jordan Peele, when he wrote that, he said like he he ended up crying during writing that scene. It was so it hit him so hard that he was like he cried and was like pretty affected by it for the rest of the day. You know, I want to backtrack just a little bit in the conversation
1: to where you said that's not my experience and it's not my place to talk about it because I think I might. I think that's actually the point of the movie because Jordan Peele does that in this movie about white people and it gets the ball rolling. He he makes, you know, bald face assumptions, claims and 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 characterizes people, other people who based on their skin color to make a point. Um, but it gets the ball rolling. It gets the conversations started, right? It's a starting place to create discussion about this kind of thing. And I think it's that kind of courage to talk about something that you only have your experience in, right? You only have the white experience. Mm -hmm. He only has the black experience. Yet he's assuming to write a bunch of white characters. But he does it, and it works, because he took a moment to like to show hit to to use it as a as a toolbox to show what his, to make his experience uh relatable to you and me, those of us who can't otherwise relate to his experience. So I think you do have a responsibility to comment on how things strike you. The same way Peel did in this movie. Because it gets, because as long as people are functioning in good faith and aren't assuming the worst about each other. Like, I don't assume that in making this movie, Jordan Peel hates white people. I take the movie on its own merit, right? I go, well, no, it was meant to get a point across. It was meant to start conversations and to be meaningful.
0: I don't know. Does any of that... I I think we're talking about two separate things. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, Jordan Peele is... His goal is to tell the perspective of his own experience. Yeah. He does that well. Like, if I were to try to make this movie and try to, like... Give the same perspective on oh. like oh yeah no you, Bryce you tell the story about how black people feel marginalized in in society oh no no okay like, yeah we are talking I, about two different I have things. no right to even attempt that it's like that would be very foolhardy
1: yeah no yeah okay we are talking about two different things yes. I go I thought you what you were trying to say when you said that was that you had no right to comment but you do have well, a right like, to I comment have, but I, only but about your
0: yeah, I don't have right to comment on the black experience and no, I and mean their, well. their take or how they should take like people that are black but act quote unquote white. It's like I, it's not something that you know I should really care about having an opinion on or strongly like recommending how to take that. Um, but my my major takeaway from my perspective is what we need to come to is just treating people as truly individuals and make no assumptions on like what opinions they should have based on their background or, or what they look like or, or whatever. Like it's like, if you live long enough, you realize like, Oh, well that's not, um, that generalization is almost never true. Like to paint someone with a broad brush um almost always is a dangerous place, mm-hmm. and the only place where it can you can feel safe and justified about it is is around things that you're so removed from that you can't confirm or deny whether mm. you're right yeah where it's like oh well you know white people are like this it's like, mm, what does that even mean like a uh, Does that mean that people that aren't white can't be like that? You know? Or that that's attributed to the color of their skin? Or uh, it gets into dangerous territory. So, like, the closer you can get to, like, just withhold judgment until you know a person. Yeah. And uh, you find out, first of all, it doesn't really matter what your take on them is. Yeah. And almost anything where you make assumptions is like... It causes more harm than good most of the time. Yep. Even with people you know, like, both you and me, like, know each other really well. Anytime I make an assumption on how you're going to take something or what you're going to do, almost always, like, comes back to bite me because... No! And, uh, yeah, so that's the point I was trying to make. That's a good point.
1: yeah. No, okay, I see. I see where you're coming from now. I'm sorry I did that to your child. I, I realized that just now that you asked me not to do that kind of stuff a month ago. That's
0: <laughs> no, all right. I was just going to do it anyways. Yeah, if you've listened to the pod, this is probably a recurring circumstance where my four-year-old son is asking me whether I'm done working, and I say no. This happens every 20 minutes or so. It's become... Or five minutes, or two minutes. It really is kind of a random... Bag. It's become pronounced in your life to the point where
1: when I will call you through just throughout the week. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Both times you called me yesterday, that happened, right? But not only yesterday. Almost every time I call you, it's like I hear, Dad... Don't worry. No. <laughs> uh, he's, just, he's like the coyote falling off a cliff
0: afterwards. He's like, <laughs> The inverse is also pr- pretty inversely cute, though. Yeah! Like, I watched him when yeah. you said, yes, I'm done.
1: Oh, good. Oh, boy. Yay! And he runs in the other room, starts playing. Mm-hmm. And then you hear, dang it! <laughs> Minecraft is
0: so hard! Um so yeah um Yeah the thing i'd say about Jeremy the 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 brother the brother is i would be exhausted by this guy just insufferable <sighs> Yeah the energy like, he gives
1: off in the room is just like this exuding Alpha, like trying to dominate everyone, every conversation, every interaction. Just the
0: broiest, like Joe Rogan listener. <laughs> Ugh. Like, oh, you don't know jujitsu, you know judo, like oof. Uh. yeah. Uh. It's like I want to crawl into the sunken place instead of listen to this guy. I wish the sun would just envelop the earth right now. Mm-hmm. Take you with it. Um, let's see. One of the greatest scenes is, like, Chris not being able to sleep and walking the halls and then going outside. And then Walter running towards the camera. And it's, like, a testament to how good depth of field uh, is is communicated on film. To where, like, you can be truly disturbed by just seeing something grow in the frame of vision. (laughs) You're like, I'm going to get bowled over right now. Is like how your body experiences it.
1: Ugh! Do you remember that? Do you remember that scene in Terrified, uh, with the thing in the in the far away, mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. and it ooh, gets right. closer and closer. And you're like, <gasps> <gasps> right. <laughs> that was another great one. Terrified, Argentinian, twenty seventeen,
0: yeah. crazy. And it follows. That's another one. It follows. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. That one did it a lot. Yeah. Real slow. Um,
0: bu- 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 bu. Skipping forward. So this party happens and a bunch of white people come. Really <laughs> I've been that. listening to uh, a lot of Shane uh, Gillis. Gillis's podcasts. Uh-huh. Uh, Matt and Shane's secret podcast. Um, it's one of those where it's, like, a lot of it is just banter among friends, but there's some, like, real nuggets of gold that come through sometimes. But, yeah, I got that from him. What Hot people. <laughs> um, yeah, so he has a lot of interactions with these people at this party that are all, like, bizarre and, like, pretty seemingly overtly racist. Yeah. Because, like... White people don't know how to act around black people, so like any attempt to make them feel uh, welcomed it does the opposite reaction. So the the three interactions are this old guy talking to Chris about golf and about how much he he admires Tiger Woods, and he's like, "Let's see your form," asking Chris to do a golf swing for him, dance for me. And then he's like, (laughs) what the fuck? You know what, though?
1: It's occurring to me right now as you're saying this, that this is my experience in most social events. Right. With the exception of your family. But most (sighs) social events, including my own family's social Uh events, where it's just like somebody asks just too much of you. This might not be a racist thing. This might be like a white culture thing. Where it's just, it's just you have a bad, you have a bad fucking, uh, uh, social odometer. Yeah. Yeah, Because every every fuck, like I cannot, I cannot even express to you how many of my family get-togethers have, there have been wildly inappropriate comments made to me. That this is all this is all rushing to me so quickly now. It's like, oh, 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 like. Every single one, like with my dad's family, they were just so inappropriate all the time. And they, everything they said just put you on total like alarm. Like during my grandfather's funeral, one of my uncles who I had seen 20 years prior was there Mm -hmm. and I had my first daughter at the time and my wife comes in, never has met this guy before ever, this uncle of mine. And he goes... David, is that your child? I'm like, I haven't seen you since. It- Who are you? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm your uncle. And is this your child? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, and he, he reaches for my one-year-old daughter. And he's like, you're my blood. And my wife recoiled. She was like, whoa, no. And she like, she like was, a, my, my, my wife will always like put people at ease. Mm-hmm. But even she couldn't do it. And then she was like, don't touch me
0: like
1: don't touch me like this shit is white people shit maybe this it's just a culture well there's
0: there's some like universals that i think everyone can appreciate which is number one like, and that's what makes it work so well is that it's towing the line between is this just people being awkward in social situations mm. or or is this specifically about this guy yeah you know yeah so stuff like meeting your girlfriend's family that's just built-in awkward. Yeah, just built-in like, awkward. So, <laughs> uh, cream pie and my daughter? Oh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> Jesus <I was> like, <laughs> Christ. <laughs> it's like, so, uh, what you do, buddy? Like Feigning interest, but everyone's really, all they're doing is like, is this person good enough for my daughter? Putting some friction on those walls, <laughs> huh? Yeah. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what really everyone's trying to determine. Is this person good enough to cream pie my daughter? (laughs) (laughs) Or my sister. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So that's built in. um, But there's the added dimension of, of race in here. So the second one that happens is, and the most egregious one, is the woman just feeling him up? It's like, God, you gave me the piss shivers. You like, uh, and she like turns to Rose. She's like, So you like getting fucked by this guy? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. Is it true it's better? It's like, boo. Bitch, what? Yes, but what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I enjoy the experience of being filled out, but what does that have to do with? <laughs> okay. That's none of your business, though. Um, and then the last one is just kind of a casual conversation where a guy is talking about fair skin versus black skin. It's in it's, it's in, in fashion, fashion to be black. Like okay. Uh, mm. And all these conversations Again, are, you're not wrong, but you must you say it that way. All these conversations are completely bizarre and like all yeah. But in the context of they're going to be bidding on him to use his body. Right. Is like oh, there. I mean, it's a meat market. The first guy is like determining, like, am I gonna get a good golf swing out of this? The woman is like, if my husband is this black dude, can he lay it down? Can he lay down some pipe? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and the husband's like, yes, may I? And the the other guy is like, hmm, I'm black. It's, black is the new white. <laughs> uh. And then finally, the, the blind guy, which is actually the guy that bids on him, uh, or wins the, the bidding, is um, <laughs> trying to get him for his eyes, because he's an artist.
1: Black is the new white. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> and then there's the scene of the auction, which is very reminiscent of a slave auction, obviously, um, with the bingo cards. Um Really like gives me the gives me the piss shivers like thinking about some of those scenes. Um, so that happens. Um, he gets more and more uh, suspicious, especially when he sees Lakeith Stanfield's character, which he recognizes and later finds out is like um, an actual acquaintance of right his that disappeared yeah but in the party scene he is like i know this guy and he's going to take a picture to send to rod his tsa friend um he takes a picture and accidentally has a flash on and the flash snaps uh the character out of it and all of a sudden the the black man <laughs> who's in the second place comes <sighs> to the forefront and tells him to get out you know yeah, because he's he's worn. So there's a couple times where go on get there's there's in in retrospect you, you realize like oh all these times where like the black people are acting very weird and like something's wrong with them. Yeah, you realize like oh that's the black person in the sunken place trying to right. come to the four and communicate something. So Georgina, you know, spill some tea, and she's like, you know. Shaking and disturbed, but she never says anything. And then, um, Lakeith Stanfield's character is the most blatant one, where he snaps out of her and tells him to to run and get, get the out. fuck out. And, um, so yeah, that's that happens. But he finds out too late. <clears throat> and then finally, he's like fed up, and he's like, "We gotta go. I'm I'm tired of this shit." After he figures out that Lakeith's character is missing that he just found him and he's acting bizarre.
1: You're... And I'm sorry to do this to you because it's going to derail this telling of the story, but we're not mentioning my very favorite character, Rod Williams. A oh, Rod. TSA yeah, yeah. agent. Played by Little Ray Howery.
0: Uh, yeah, he's great. He's the he's, hero of the whole movie. He's kind of like the Greek chorus. Yeah. <laughs> where he's like... He's the... He's the viewer. He's like basically the black audience member, where he's like, "Yeah, don't bitch. don't go to that bitch's he's house. he got
1: a knife, bitch." Um, yeah. The whole he for me m- makes this movie. It ties it together, all this serious subject matter with this perfect, perfect character, mm-hmm. uh, who is paranoid and stupid and simple and just so happens to be dead right about every single part of the entire movie he's the only person in the whole movie who
0: has every
1: single piece tied up and
0: understood well before anyone else right what was the the line that he said while they were driving in the car he's like does she lick your balls or something? I can't, he says, "Lick or like suck something." Yeah, she's sucking what, on your balls. Is she licking your balls or something? Or like sucking on your toes or something like that. Something like so, no, this is his very balls. specific. Yeah, yeah. He's so funny. He's great and great my, comedic relief, perfect counterpoint. And at the
1: end, when he's like, when he, it gives it the exact right amount of comedic time, because mm-hmm. he's sitting there in the car with his friend who just experienced murdering a whole family Mm -hmm. and like fighting for his life Mm -hmm. and dealing with all of this bullshit. He's sitting there. He's like, I told you to get the fuck out. I told you so. I didn't. I I told you so. It's like
0: like, (laughs) this guy, the last thing he needs right now is to be, I told you so. Right. Um, so after Chris figures out something's really off, he's, he's deciding to leave. Um, And then he discovers, as he's packing, this box of photos of Rose with just a bevy of black guys and and women and discovers that in that shoebox full of black dates and friends, two of them are Walter and Georgina. Right. Um, It kind of makes you wonder. You're like, Jesus Christ.
1: So all of a sudden... How much time does this bitch... Devote to just getting in, making super fake relationships with black people to get them to her family because she's been with, um, what's 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 our protagonist's name? She's been with um Chris Chris. for five months. Right, that's
0: a substantial amount of time
1: to sink into a single relationship. Yeah, it's like
0: well, they're probably making a lot of money off of them then. Yeah, they must be so. He realizes, and he's running down. And he's asking her to get the keys to the car, and, and she's like, "I can't find them." I'm like, all right, let's let's do it while we're marching, and then, and then all of a sudden, he's surrounded by the Armitage family, um, and especially Jeremy, is like blocking the doorway, and then finally, it's revealed Allison is in on it. She's like, "You know, I can't. You know, I you know can't come. give you these keys, right?" Like, uh, and and so as that's the audience
1: that, at this point, the whole time you're like. Oh he's still got it he's still got an ally he's still right right still got his girlfriend so okay and then she she gives him up and and, i mean a part of you knows
0: yeah once you see the photos you're like okay Uh, something's off like you as the audience know like yeah that's not right right but also you still want to believe right yeah you you have so much it's all circumstantial yeah and um So, yeah, like I said earlier on, Jordan Peele told Allison Williams, like, this is... You're essentially playing two characters. One is Rose, um, which is, like, the perfect girlfriend, supportive, yada, yada, yada. And the other is, is a, I think you called it Roro, which is basically a psychopath. Or sociopath, which is... You see her after the fact, after, like, Chris is captured, her trolling you know images and stuff and you see her just like completely devoid of emotion and it's really disturbing yeah and then one scene the way she parrots emotion on the phone oh yeah her conversation with with uh rod on the phone where she sounds like rose oh no and she is expressing concern audibly but you see her as being completely deadpan you know visually and you're like oh wow this is and that's super disturbing. Oh, yeah. She's like, it's like a spike. And I love in that scene... It makes me feel
1: weird feelings about Allison Williams as an actress. I'm yeah. like, uh,
0: I don't know about how I feel about her. Um, I love... This is kind of a throwaway joke, I think. But um, on that conversation, Allison is like, I know what this is about. You want to fuck me, right? Like, let's we know what's going on between. oh no she's an evil genius (laughs) and Rod's like no what the fuck and he like hangs up he's like ah she's an evil genius yeah because the implication is like of course I want to fuck this white bitch
1: (laughs) (laughs) who wouldn't want to fuck Alison
0: Williams I mean like yeah and you realize like she's an evil genius that is the most powerful thing yeah which is like you said like she's singing a lot of time But also, at the same time, isn't that the most believable thing? It's like, oh, you're a super attractive white girl. Like, Isn't that the most powerful power you can have on just men in general, probably? Yeah. Like, just follow me. Okay. All right. I don't know if it
1: it necessarily has to be white. Uh, I'd say if you're a girl, you have a great deal of power over me. Right,
0: if you're a super attractive, yeah, female. Well, doesn't even, even really have to be that. Is that (laughs) is that gonna okay? Um, so that happens, and then we're shown. So this the ending. I gotta say, like, it's so earned. Like all of the build up and the dread and like the paranoia builds to the point where it doesn't matter what it actually ends up being. You're gonna buy into it, and this is like the. Like, I always use Jaws as the example of, like, they build up all this dread and anticipation to where it's hard to stand back at the end and, like, point out how stupid it is that the ending is they explode a big old shark. Yeah. Oh, they just blowed it up. That's what you're leading to? And in this movie, it's, like, such an absurd ending of, like, oh, they're swapping bodies. They're just putting the other person's brain in. His body. Yeah. It's like, oh,
1: yeah. oh man, oh no. I'm totally bought in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, yeah, it's a good point. It's, it takes uh, a, a real, real expert at storytelling to achieve you buying into this degree and it earns it.
0: Right. Um, there's a couple, couple last things. So, uh, Ultimately, Chris gets to ask the question of why black people? And the answer is so telling in how innocuous and unthinking it is, which is like, I don't know. Some people want different things like they just want to change it up. Like maybe some people want to look cooler. Some of them want to be faster or stronger. Some just want eyesight. Yeah. Some just want your sometimes it has nothing to do with your skin color at all. To where it's like the the communication is like the most frightening thing is like why are you doing these horrible horrible things to black people, and the answer that the white people has ha- has is like I don't know, which like I mean if you're experiencing you know systemic racism or just like just the othering and and uh, marginalization of of. A bunch of white people, and if you're like, "Why do you act this way around me? Why, why am I? Do I have this position in society?" And the answer is like, huh, "I don't know."
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that's that. That's the most
0: unsatisfying and and frightening thing. It's just like, oh, they're not doing it intentionally. This is just how they are. Nah. <laughs> I mean, that's why it's so much more impactful than having like. The the racist Mississippi, you know, uh, plantation owning family who has who has opinions about, uh, oh, oh, I do it because I do it because blacks are the inferior race and I want to control them. Well, I am going to cut that right out of this episode. (laughs) Really glad I used an accent, so it can't be attributed to me specifically. Um, yeah, um, so that's like kind of telling and, and also more frightening. And then the other um, kind of notable thing well, a notable thing and kind of the throwaway thing the, the throwaway thing that I didn't really notice until second viewing is the fact that they have candles in the OR, that the reason why the house. Uh, gets caught on fires that they just have, like, these basically ceremonial candles in the OR, and when Bradley Whitford gets stabbed with the deer head, he trips over one and it that's causes right. a fire.
1: Yeah, what's that about?
0: It's just, it's a nice touch. It's just like, oh, yeah, now it's on fire. And that's that's what happens. But the fact that they have candles in this operating room, <laughs> like, it's not just a procedure. It's like this is a ritual, you know. for this secret society Um, and the last notable thing and this was intentional was that um, when he's locked in this chair you see him like picking at the armrest yes and um, it's intentional that um, to use the image of picking cotton (gasps) from the chair Oh, my... And specifically, Jordan Peele said, you know, even though normally those would be, like, polyester, like, he specifically uh, put in cotton fibers. It's ghastly. And uh, and that's actually what saved him, because of irony. Um, so... Get Out is fantastic. Um, it holds up. I... Uh, Like, if people take issue with, like, this movie of saying, like, oh, it's woke, it's, like, just trying to, you know, make a big thing out of, you know, or make racial relations worse, it's like, "Mm." that, I feel like you can't have that take without coming from a real cynical or um, bad faith um, perspective on it. Because it's so subtle and, and nuanced that, like, It works on so many levels that I I feel it's just an actual excellent portrayal of of being gaslit and um, having that experience um, portrayed in a way that's utterly believable, but also fantastical.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think I think people are just kind of where they are, you know, at any given moment. Mm-hmm. And some people won't be able to deal with this. <laughs> yeah, if you try and make them, they're gonna be fucking angry. Yeah, you know, and um, and that's fine. I mean, it's just what it is. It's not, it's not good or bad. It's just, it's not even. It's just how things are, you know. Yeah. And so uh, I go, yeah. I mean, I guess it is a, it is a great conversation starter mm-hmm. and a master class in gaslighting. Yeah. And and in movie making uh, uh, just it's so it's so confounding that this is his first movie. It always blows my socks off when people like Jordan Peele or Ari Aster or Robert Eggers come out with these first movies just being like not just a a fabulously good movie, but like a, a like a genre defining like mm-hmm. oh, this is what we set the time to, yeah thing where it's like how did you fucking manage that it's
0: yeah I don't know it's almost distinctly notable for Jordan Peel because the difference between Ari Aster and Robert Eggers and Jordan Peele is that uh, Eggers and and uh, and Aster. I I just group them as they're like white. They're they're film nerds. Like they spent their whole life, you know, aspiring to do this. Like I'm going to make film and make something notable. And they have these ideas that are fully fleshed out. Um, and Jordan Peele obviously has that too, but. He had an entire career, like decades of a career as a different creative thing, which is specifically like sketch comedy. Which yeah, is, but,
1: uh, but a lot of sketch comedy, and in particular his sketch comedy, is this lane. It's,
0: it's social commentary. Well, yeah, it's social commentary, but you look at your strengths and you're like, oh, that's where, not to like... You know, I see put, what you put, mean. Put him in a lane, but, like, you look at, like, Adam Sandler or, you know, like, you know, one of these um, talented writers, well, maybe not Adam Sandler, but, oh, like, Adam T- a Tina Fey or writer. someone that's, like, a oh, okay. super talented comedic writer, and you, do you expect them to be able to come out with, like, a genre-defined and, like... Um, notable, just standalone film that has nothing to do with improv- improvised comedy, you know? And it's so impressive that way. Same thing with Daniel Glover, which is, he's so notably good as a comedic actor, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, he's like, like a super talented musician, where it's like, wow, those... He's got like several singles that are like some of my favorite songs and then also creates a TV series that's a a drama, uh, but just like absurdist thing. It's just so many different things that you realize like, oh, you just shouldn't for creative people, people that are really good at what they do, especially in the creative field, just you shouldn't put. Guardrails on what your expectations of them are, because you look at musicians or or actors and you realize like they don't they're not necessarily interested in being specialized. They're just creative and they're they love the world of entertainment. And so Jordan Peele, the reason why he did get out was like he always loved the horror genre and he always like wanted to do that. And so, it's just a testament to, like, don't pigeonhole yourself. Do what you love and what you want to do, because if you... I'm so confused, because that's specifically how
1: you started off by pigeonholing Eggers and Aster. You're like, yeah, but they've wanted to do this forever. They're really creative
0: and good at the thing that they've wanted to do for a long time. I mean, I just... I I have a perspective around... People that are film students are like investing in themselves to do specifically like auteur filmmaking. Um and neither one of them showed you know interest in, in acting that I know of or, or other things. Like sure, I'm making assumptions. But I'm I'm saying like from the background that you have about those two, they're coming out as freshman movie makers. Um Either a background in, in short films or, um, like off the bat, they're dedicating. It's obvious that they are dedicating their lives to do this. Whereas Jordan Peele, it's like, if I were to know nothing about him, I would assume like, oh, you're, you've put a lot of work into I think being a, a sketch comedian and being an improv, like comedy. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, No, I get, I get what you're saying.
0: But I uh,
1: but to their credit, I think Ari and, uh Ari and Robert are a lot younger than uh, Peel, so maybe they're going to come out with a fucking sketch comedy show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe they're just on the, on the upshot. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> We're saying the same thing in different ways, mm-hmm. as always. Get out. Go watch it. If you haven't already, mm-hmm. you all have. Well, who am I joking? Everybody's seen this fucking movie. Get
0: movie. out and watch Get Out. Get out and get in and get up and get Get around. in and get out and get up and get down. Get sexual. And get
1: on with your life. Go on, get. Go on. Get on with the show. Here we go.
0: Kay. So, who do you recommend? Everybody, go like go it. get it.
1: Go get it.
0: Thanks, everyone. Oh, whoa, wait. Whoa, oh, no, 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 do you have taglines? I never know. No, oh, I... I have it.
1: Here's taglines. <laughs>
0: No, David. Honestly, David, it's like a witch's house in here, David.
1: Taglines. This is a little bit that we do uh, where we come up with new, interesting, or different, or cringy, or funny, or stupid taglines for the movie that we just got done reviewing. So, here it is. Taglines. How many you got? I have three. Okay. My first tagline goes a little something like this.
0: Get out. <clears throat> Fuck Whitey. <laughs> um so I'll use this one since you've you already I basically stole your stole other it. three. Um so get out. They aren't racist, they have a black friend. Ha <laughs> uh, yeah. That's I lo- I like that
1: I can say that I'm not racist because I don't have a black mm-hmm. friend.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Like the way you know that I'm not racist is I'm not going to make that mm-hmm. statement to mm-hmm. you. Right. Because it, it would be a lie. Right. If I do make that statement to you, I'm a racist. Right. Get out. How many white people does it take to an oppress an entire race? I don't know. This many? The okay. Armitage
0: family. Kind of trailed off there. Uh <laughs> it's the it's the it's the light bulb joke come on oh, okay get out seems so easy when you're in the audience to know when to get out
1: you know. wow yeah, no, i know how you felt um this last one doesn't make any sense at all i don't know i think spell check got me
0: <laughs> should be good no, Here, I'll, it, I'll read another one of mine. Good. It won't be good at all. I'm. I'm I'll, just, I'll read another one of mine as you prepare. Get out the white gaze simulator. The white gaze. Mm-hmm. What's the white gaze? Well, it's just as it sounds. You know, the male gaze. Have you heard of that terminology? Yeah. Yeah, it's just the white gaze. Oh, uh, it's like if you're. It's a not person. Like the gay people. If you're a person of color and you just experience people, white people, like giving you the side eye. Hmm. it's it's the only
1: gays i know here in the portland metro area there's (laughs) only white gays. out did you
0: see did you watch norm's new special you know what i tried
1: um and it was very sad for me and i couldn't i was very sad yeah i was extremely emotional and it made me upset oh
0: i was just so happy to get new material but he has a joke in there about Portland specifically (laughs) about racism. He's like, I went to Portland and, and like they, they make it a real point to like tell you how not racist they are. And like my Uber driver's like, Oh yeah, we don't, we're not racist here. Like we don't, that's not really a big thing here. And Norm's looking around. He's like, doesn't see any black people around. He's (laughs) like, well, I of course mean, you're not. Of course you're not. there's no, it doesn't seem like you're, there's any people of color here anyways. And the driver turns to him and says, we got our share.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually they don't have their share. They, uh, they don't because the funny thing about Portland was, it was one of the, I think maybe the very last city in America to become unsegregated?
0: Well, Oregon was Oregon has a very racist history. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Real racist. Yeah.
0: I transplanted
1: here from San Francisco. So, uh, this is the only time you'll ever
0: hear me say that. (laughs) Yeah. Oregon, like, if you assign real estate contracts, like, you'll see the historical, like, lease information where it's like, "Mm." Redlining. Yeah, you can't, you know, only for white people, <laughs> you know. No blacks get this property, which, you know, it's obviously illegal. Um, which is interesting that you can't just, you know, remove that stuff from the historical. But that's important to know. Uh, did you have your last one?
1: You know, I think about that special. No, I don't have it. It's incomprehensible. Um, uh, the thing The thing that got me about that Norm special was... The format that it's in is it's right. him staring into the camera mm-hmm. and you get to see his eyes very distinctly. He's just the whole thing is just him staring at you with the kind of this. It's just too much. It's just it's like, whoa, because I just got done watching Love on the Spectrum and they avert their eyes. Uh You know, from having to look. (laughs) And that makes it a lot easier for me. Who knows why? I can't figure this one part of me out. Uh It's like, why am I... Why can't I deal with the staring people in the eyes kind of thing? But, uh, yeah, and then it just made him feel really super human. All of a sudden, it was, like, just the humanity in him, like, shown through and how much he wanted his shit to land without an audience there and, like, for you. And, And I just kept thinking, like, oh, he knew what was coming. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, the whole premise of it was like, he wanted to get it down and, and take in case something went bad, which it did. He just got progressively worse and he couldn't film it live. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, it it's, I'm so happy that he did that just for posterity that at least it gets out there in some form. Um, But obviously like it's not, ideal because he's a stand up and like the the audience is such an important part of it, especially for Norm. Like so much of his energy on stage is from reaction and yeah. timing against Against like, the how, reaction. Right.
1: It's it's so vividly obvious
0: yeah. in that special. So in this he's he's just filming himself in front of the camera and there's no audience and he's reading the material and delivering it but it's such a different format to where even the delivery is affected by it. I still I still laughed out loud at several parts. There's yeah, those, several things that were just, just takes, the funniest.
1: It just takes one beat longer, which is a little bit too long for it to... See, play. I have the
0: inverse. I thought he was going too quick. He was going
1: too... What I'm saying, he was definitely going too mm-hmm. quick um, because he didn't have that reaction. But also my realization of each joke was a beat too late, Mm. you know? So it really set that the timing was way off in two ways in the direction of him and me, you know, it was too fast for me and or too fast for him and too slow for me.
0: Yeah. So there's that, um, but yeah I mean the experience is more akin to like an audio book which what's the uh is the end part just crushing with with people recollecting um, it, you know? it was interesting it feels like kind of like an afterthought and it was kind of like mm, this was not it was cool seeing, seeing them reminisce about um, Norm but definitely some of them were kind of monopolizing the time I wish I could have heard more from David Spade which probably has the closest relationship to him out of all of them that were there. Spade uh, talks a bit about Norm on his recent um, uh,
1: appearance on the Theo Vaughn podcast yeah. uh, this past weekend. But, uh, yeah, oh yeah, it should be noted, we recorded this one way, way, way in advance. So the stuff yeah. that we're talking about, probably not super timely.
0: But anyhow. But yeah, Conan was on it. He was talking a lot because Conan talks a lot. Dave Chappelle was on it and he talked a lot because um, he feels a lot of what he says is very profound, <laughs> which sometimes it is. Uh, and David Letterman well, he, was there. David he, Letterman was kind of the one that was like, kind of the Debbie Downer of like, yeah, this wasn't stand-up. Like, it sucks that we can't that we can't see. I don't know what this was, but it wasn't a stand-up set. Um, which is fair. Like, is, is having respect towards the... David Letterman artist. is, Artistry. David Letterman is
1: more, uh, 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 David, uh, the creator of Seinfeld. Who's that? Oh, Larry David. Larry David. He's more Larry David than Larry
0: David. He's like this fucking like, don't bother me. Like, I, yeah, David Letterman is such a, like a conundrum. Like, I don't, I don't even know what to make of him and I don't even care to figure out what, the deal with David Letterman is because it's not interesting enough for me to be like oh this is the character he has behind scenes like the point is he just doesn't right Uh, Molly Shannon was on it Um, was Adam Sandler there? yes Adam Sandler was there oh wow Um, Adam Sandler probably had the best story that he Adam Sandler's
1: the best storyteller
0: yeah um, have you
1: seen have you seen Spade's latest stand up? uh huh (sniffs) not great (laughs) I
0: liked it. I mean, a lot of it's kind of recycled. Like, a lot of it's like bits that I've seen him do before. It's just not impressive compared to other comedians right now. It's like,
1: okay. Yeah,
0: I think the best thing that he did, which is unfortunate that it got canceled. Like, I thought he was the best at that show. Oh,
1: my God. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. That's. That that doesn't make any sense how that got canceled. It's like,
0: this is. His and lane. He, he still did it on YouTube. I don't know if he's still doing it on YouTube. The the monologues is what he called it, but basically had writers still come up with like the the commentary on on uh, you know current affairs current or whatever. Events, yeah. But man, the the monologue was like fantastic. It's one of the best monologues. But also like the format of just shooting the shit with other f- super funny people talking yeah. about the yeah. current events and stuff. Um, that was great but yeah it was kind of the ending was bittersweet but yeah I mean for me it was just I I wanted to eat up as much norm content as I could and there's more out there like there's you can find sets of him doing stuff you know pretty recently you know after the pandemic you know the last couple, couple years like he they reference a, a really awesome set he does right on the cusp of like all the shutdowns and It's just him commenting on the pandemic and it's just one of the funniest takes on it where he's like, it's like, well, I mean, I guess, you know, we all know what we're going to die of now. (laughs) (laughs) I should, I should look that up, but it's that and that stuff wasn't on there, but it's so topical and, and this is one of those circumstances where I'm so glad I got to see him live. Like, that was the last time he was in Portland. I think it was the last time he was in Portland. But, uh, yeah. R.I.P. Norm MacDonald. Get out! And my last tagline. Uh, (laughs) No, I'll leave it at that. Um, Mm. So, thank you so much for listening. Um, Go to HorrorMovieTalk.com and find our shop. If you want to support us, go to our Patreon and become a patron there you'll get access to all sorts of perks including commercial free episodes early access um also get access to our after pod which is a whole separate podcast where me and david just kind of shoot the shit uh become a little more vulnerable (laughs) to be honest um and also sometimes yell at each other for petty bullshit um so until next time stay spoopy Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk. An opinionated and
1: accidentally funny horror movie review show. Go, 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 through
0: the
1: The actual releases
0: always get priority, but we also review older horror movies, both good and horrible.
1: Uh, 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 uh. Wow, that didn't sound good.